Hello, ASIJ. What's the dealio? I'm Jack McGee. I'm Vishal Subramanian, and we are ASIJ's high school's very own podcast back again with our second episode. Thank you for tuning in. We're very excited to have you all here today for two very special features. To start off with us, we have in the room 11 students who have kindly volunteered to take part in a discussion on ASIJ's social groups. We will be getting a close-up look on the high school social scene, and hopefully we'll have the chance to get a good conversation flowing in just a few moments. After the discussion, we will be taking a look at the ASIJ Philosophy Club with our presenters Kieran and Kaya and Philosophy Club members. The podcast team has decided to bring back the topic of ASIJ social groups despite the fact that we covered it last year because we believe that it is something that many students find quite central to life here at ASIJ. But before we dive into the discussion, we'd like to first take a look at some mini-interviews we collected from students around the school regarding to the ASIJ social structure. Take a listen. So to what extent do you feel that students here are connected or divided? Students are, I guess, divided when it comes to a social setting. They don't want to be caught outside their group. That's how it looks to me. But in class and online, I feel that students are more connected with others just because someone is, quote, forcing them to. What do you mean by forcing them to? Students are divided most of the time, but they're connected when given the opportunity to through clubs and um, in class. Yeah. But there's no reason to go outside your own group because most of the time I think that for most people, their own group satisfies their needs. Mm -hmm. And so there's no reason to reach out to other people. Interesting. So to what extent do you think that your group or belonging to a group dictates your actions personally? Do you have any personal experiences where you thought, oh, I need to be a certain way to fit in to my group? Mm, For example, so all of my friends are basically really muscular gym goers. And I'm really, really skinny to the point you can kind of see my ribs. Okay. So in that way, um, sometimes I do feel the pressure too. But at least one thing that I'm, I guess I'm thankful for is that like our group, we don't really have a name to ourselves. But other groups have names that are based on, like, interests. Literal names or, like, a metaphorical name? No, like, names (laughs) of their group. I don't know. People just name themselves to, like, oh, yeah, let's invite that group. And when they say that group, they won't just list out, like, a few people. They'll Uh. just say the name of that group. Whoa. And I don't want to say anything specifically. Okay, okay. We got the idea. So I guess that's how it's perpetuated at ASIJ is the naming of groups. But personally, I don't feel like I've been bound to my own group. That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you. To what extent do you feel that there is a social divide or some sort of set social structure at ASIJ? I think there isn't in the sense that the social divide doesn't really dictate who people interact with because I think in classes, people are really open and they'll talk to anybody. Um, especially like even if you if you approach people, especially like they'll just like respond. It's the, the social divide doesn't change like people's respect for other people, which I think is really good. But I think in terms of um, like comfort and where people are uh, drawn to spending their time, that's kind of uh, that's really set because like as you can see in like the blur library. But I think 
that that's not really ASIJ students' fault, and I don't think it's a characteristic of ASIJ students. I think it's more about the architecture of the school and the fact that the library and blur are so far away. And I also think that the fact that the cafeteria lunch tables are not benches and they're circular, like, set number of people tables, I think that also further, like, enhances the idea that you can only be in one place and that there can only be a number of people at that place. Interesting. Like, versus at SAS and stuff, like, the... And it's also the fact that in the cafeteria here, the cafeteria isn't divided by grades, so it's really just, like, your sole group and you don't... You, you have, like, a blind eye to everyone around you. Mm-hmm. So that further, like, emphasizes the fact that you have this one place to be. Interesting. Yeah. And do you think this is a problem? Is it? Would you say it's a problem here? I think it depends on the person like for me i don't really find it as a problem because i like to just flow in and out Mm -hmm. but i think for individuals who feel like they're really alone or who feel that they don't fit in that is a problem because it it they're not like it obviously people aren't alone but it's really easy to feel like they are when they have these structures and you feel like an outsider oh interesting okay well thank you very much all right so now that we've heard some comments from our students let's get into the discussion Hello everyone, thank you all very much for taking your time to participate in this discussion today. Before we begin, could you each please tell us your name and what grade you're in? Um, hi, my name is Rachel and I'm in grade 12. Hi, my name is Hans Vandersand and I'm in grade 12. Hello, my name is Takto and I am in grade 12. Hello, my name is Sol Smith and I am in grade 11. My name is Ian Donahue, I'm in grade 11. Hello, my name is Emma, I'm in grade 9. Hello, my name is Melissa. I'm in grade 9. Hello, my name is Kareem. I'm in grade 9. Hi, my name is Dohyun, and I'm in grade 12. Hi, my name is Ty, and I'm in grade 12. Hi, my name is Tussle, and I'm also in grade 12. All right, great. So uh, although we have a few questions prepared, would anyone like to start off the conversation? Ty Kennedy, all right. I think a lot of the social groups at ASIJ are based off of, like, whether you play sports or not and I feel like a lot of the athletes tend to be closer with each other whereas the kids who are in theater or other things outside of sports are closer with each other I I think like the split between groups are based on a number of factors whether that's if you play sports or not or or kind of your hobbies and I don't really see a problem with people who have similar interests uh being friends but I think the problem here is that there's kind of a stigma against kind of trying to branch out and and get to know like people more from like I guess different groups. I also seem to find that there's like a very strong gender divide at least in the the book locker room where um, even though they could be friends or they hang out it's the by clicks it's usually by gender and they're usually just a few people in each one. I also think the groups are very split up by um, like how long you've been to ASIJ. It seems that kids that have been here for a long time seem to kind of cluster together. It's just my observation. I think another thing is that um, a lot of the groups, which makes sense, but a lot of the groups are based on like what grade you're in, whereas like other schools that I've been to, I've been part of groups where like half of the group is in one grade and the other is in another so I think ASIJ doesn't have like any groups like that, which is kind of surprising. Uh, the The library seems to be a lot more homogenous um, in their groupings because it's not so divided by like tables and different sections, and anyone can sit anywhere. But also, I seem to find that um, 
groups are also defined by race and religion. A lot of the people who don't speak Japanese seem to cluster towards each other. But like usually like the, the, the like half J or full J groups, they integrate it in their speech. So a lot of white people feel or just other ethnicities <laughs> feel sort of left out. And they seem to group towards other people who can either speak the same languages as them or they just speak primarily English. All right, so we're going to use a question as one of the prompts. So uh, to what extent do you guys feel that the social structure and the social groups at ASIJ uh, dictate your actions personally? Um, Well, one thing I've noticed is that uh, this year they placed the charging cables in the in the senior section and although um they were advertising that you can like any grade can come and use them like i've i'm yet to see like anybody other than a senior use it so i think there's definitely a level of intimidation kind of adding on to that since it's like in the senior section i think most people are intimidated by the seniors to put their phones there like first of all like it might even get stolen or like you don't even know because like in the locker room some stuff gets stolen if you just leave it out so it's not about like uh, locations or anything, but sometimes uh, when you're in your own group, you feel like you can act more like yourself. It's I don't feel like I guess like I have to act a certain way with my group, but sometimes I get dependent on my group. So when I go out of the group, it's harder for me. Not yeah, it's harder for me to just act the way I usually do sometimes. I, I think that highlights one of the biggest problems about clicks and ASIJ is that it takes away the learning opportunity for people to talk to new people and make connections because you become so dependent on the people that you hang out mostly on a day mostly with on a daily basis yeah i definitely agree with that and like personally i don't think it's that negative or bad that there are like social groups or there are cliques i think that what's bad about that is that it like ian said it kind of prevents you from like finding people that are outside of your friend group that you might have like similar interests with or like similar passions with and like there's so much that you could do with people that like aren't necessarily like the people you hang out with every day but like i feel like it's negative in that it prevents that and like there's so much that could be done yet like a lot of people are scared to go outside of their friend group or like I guess, like, feel that it's kind of weird. And I feel like for certain kids, like, I know a couple kids that, like, don't really belong to, like, a single group, so they're kind of, like, flying solo. And I feel like it's kind of unfortunate for those kids because sometimes, like, even though they want to hang out with their friends, like, before a certain, like, event or something, they can't really join in and do things. But to some extent, I also feel like... um groups are kind of inevitable like there's going to be splits in some situations and I don't know like I feel like ASIJ is a little extreme especially the extent to which I feel like a lot of students act differently around their friends than they do with other people like individually but I also think that groups are kind of um like that's just how it's going to be does anyone have any experiences where um they've felt personally limited like does anyone have a specific story or it doesn't even have to be you don't need to mention a name i mean for me personally when i when i first moved here i felt very out of place and um i didn't really find any connections with the people here and it was really really hard for me to make friends until i moved and then i met some people on my bus that i got close with but um 
I feel like also ASIJ for new people is really hard because of those pre-established cliques. People are very used to what they like and what they're like to the status quo, and they don't like to really move away from that. So that's why like friend groups don't really change that often in ASIJ unless there's some sort of like big argument or big fight in which some person has to like completely migrate. Yeah, I feel like another thing is I know I feel like I know a couple kids that belong to like a certain clique and although they don't really like the people in their clique cuz maybe like the people in their clique are like treating them badly or something um they're kind of scared to leave their group because they feel as though they won't be able to join another crew so they kind of get stuck with people they don't want to be with. Oh, and um I don't know I don't know if like stigma is the right word, but I feel like at ASIJ it's kind of it's so like it's I don't I don't know if looked down upon I don't know what the right word is, but like it's kind of seen as I guess like weird or unusual if you interact with people that are outside of your friend group because like yeah, it just like not like in contexts that are like outside of like the classroom, I guess. Like if you are with someone that's like not necessarily in your friend group, I guess like people feel like it's like it's unusual and they feel like they shouldn't do that. I think that being with people outside of your friend group is like at least during school like I don't see it as a stigma but maybe outside of school I rarely see people hanging out with kids that are outside of their friend group. Going back to what Sol said about being a new kid, I I kind of see that it's like it takes a lot longer for new kids to kind of fit in at SIJ because with the existence of cliques you kind of need to connect with the entire group rather than a single individual to be fully integrated into, I guess, ASIJ's culture, I guess. So it takes a lot uh, longer. And it's also, I feel that it's a lot harder for new kids to be accepted. Also a topic that I think we've just been like bouncing around for a little bit, but not really like defining is like how judgmental ASIJ kids are. Because um, because of that judgment, people don't act how they want to act or people don't hang out with people that they actually want to so like i i think it's just um pretty strange how people are like scared of just bad impressions on other people who they might not even be friends with what are some things that we could do to change the social atmosphere what are some things that we should keep the same um well i used to think that in the book locker room, for example, the sections are very, like, like create a very large divide. Like, both the sections between the grades and then, like, the sectioned tables already create this idea that there are certain groups. And I think a lot of groups kind of, like, hang out around those tables and that reinforces the idea of groups even more. So maybe if the book locker room was, like, organized in a different way or something like that, yeah. I mean, like, being very, like, Jap- Japan is very ageist with their, like, kohai senpai type of mentality, and this is the American school in Japan, and I understand why they take some of those Japanese values of separating grades, but I don't think it's, necess- it's necessarily a good thing because it does instill this feeling of superiority in the seniors and possibly makes their performance in a lot of different aspects. If Just like upperclassmen in general, it, it changes their their outlook on other people's opinions it just based off of how young they are. 
Um, well, I'm new this year, so I think, like, the grade separation was even there when we came over to the school over um, during the summer, because we had, like, orientation, but, like, we all kind of came at different times, and when you come to orientation, they first split you up between the grades, so you get to know the kids that are in your grade, and I get that, because, like, obviously, you're going to be more comfortable with people you're going to see every day, but then a lot of times, I like, I would always notice that, like, the seniors the group of seniors would always be talking to each other and then like the freshmen they would kind of just sit there because like none of all of us were kind of scared and I feel like if you kind of put that group together there'd be like more conversation because then like the freshmen well because we, we were really quiet and we kind of just all sat there and stared at each other but like maybe if the seniors were there and they were like all the seniors are talking to each other we'd be more a little more comfortable and like we would know upperclassmen on the first day of school Okay, um, I feel like for ASIJ, there's still a lot of things they, they need to work on, but for example, like I have a few classes where I have um, some people in the grades above, and sometimes if we're forced to do a project or like if we're partners for something, I feel like I can kind of like talk to them, and there has been situations where I've gone close to them, so I feel like that's a good thing to do, where it's just like if you have a class and there's like people in the grades above and the teachers assign you to your project or something if you have the chance to talk to them i think that's really good because sometimes yeah like you get close to them so um i don't know if most of you guys listening to this will agree but i feel like asij students um as a whole are kind of really really focused on school and academics to the point where like on the weekends obviously like sometimes they'll sacrifice like something fun to do to in order to study which is all fine but i think it gets to like a certain point where you could easily (laughs) can just like take a step back and like have a bit more fun during high school i also feel like a lot of the opportunity for meeting people that are outside of your friend group is outside of like i guess like academic I guess like environments because like a lot of most of the friends that I have that are outside of my friend group are through like clubs or activities and those are I think like the prime ways for you to make friends that are like not in your grade or not in your friend group and like because though because if you're in that like club you're like a group of people that came together by like I guess like your interests or like passions it's much more easier for you to I guess like feel related like related to them and bond with them yeah that's like a personal thing but so um, this is more like directed toward seniors and it's a comment based off of Ty's thing, but it's more of a question, but do you think like seniors will be more likely to, I guess, like, become friends with everybody in their, not everybody in their grade, but people outside of their clique after uh, first semester this year when we don't have, you know, college stuff and it's more nice? I've noticed a lot of conflict caused by college decisions and college, what you're talking about, especially when you ask someone, hey, where's your ED, Uh, where's your EA? And I think that once that's over with, um, social tensions might disappear a little bit, but there's always that kind of looming stress of, oh, my friend's going here and I'm going here, who's going to the better school. And it's it's something that I think is unique to ASIJ since we get so many great opportunities and it's definitely a launching pad into really great schools, but there's that downside as well. Yeah, I think I think after first semester is done, a lot of, of the kids are going to kind of realize like uh, some of the kids that they've like really never hung out with before, 
they're never going to really probably see ever again unless they come to like something like a reunion. So I think definitely a lot of kids will start hanging out with each other in sex semester, at least for senior year. But like, shouldn't we make like attempts to solve the problem earlier? Because second semester of senior year seems a little late and you wasted, th- you wasted three and a half years staying within your clique that you could have spent like getting to know people and all of a sudden you realize like that the people around you like you never got to know them and then you graduate and then you never see them again so I think that's pretty tragic. I said this before the discussion and this is kind of an extreme but if there were no walls at ASIJ there would be a lot less (laughs) chance for cliques to form because they are forced into one space instead of being <laughs> all separated throughout the school in different secluded areas. So are you suggesting that we d- that we demolish all, wo- all walls that exist at ASIJ? I think one thing that, that I think we should start integrating more was that in middle school we had this thing called like something something lunch. I don't know, like friends with friends lunch or... Yeah, some some like something like with a mix-up, where we would be r- randomly like selected from each grade, and then we'd be sat at a lunch table, and the lunch table would have people from different grades, and then you'd kind of get to know each other that way. So I think if we incorporated that into high school, it would be pretty helpful for some students that are trying to like make new friends. All right, we have one more question. I'm gonna aim this towards the freshman perspective because you guys are. Uh, just out of fresh out of middle school and uh i wonder whether or not these uh same social constructs exist in middle school it's been a long time since i've been there so i don't really remember but is there a divide among sixth seventh and eighth graders like there is among the high school or is it a little less strict in middle school sixth seventh and eighth graders was like totally divided i don't think like if they like an eighth grader was seen like talking to like a seventh grader was like kind of being like like what are you doing kind of thing <laughs> In high school, it's like not. It's different in high school. It's like it's better if you talk to upperclassmen, and like it's easier too. So, yeah, I agree with what he says. Cause in middle school, um, for example, my Japanese class, I had a lot of people in when I was in eighth grade. I had a lot of people in seventh grade and sixth grade, and I would talk to them. I would talk to them, and then people would like judge me so much. But it was just that like I was kind of friends with them, and also. Um, I was just on like the track team and I became really close to some sixth graders, but people would like judge me so much just because I talked to them. Anybody have any last comments they want to add before we uh, start to wrap it up? I also feel like every clique or friend group has like a fall man in which they just either like blame them for everything or they like make fun of them. Like, because I, I know in a few different cliques at my school, or maybe they might just be on, like, the outskirts of a clique, but they just, like, whenever someone's having a bad day, they just make fun of that person. There are people who are, like, treated like punching bags at this school, and it's kind of disappointing. Yep, so when I first got to ASIJ, I was a part of a really big group of kids who all came in at the same year, and towards maybe the end of that year there was some conflicts going on in our group and instead of talking over it like we should have have been we decided to blame all our problems on one person and there was definitely a group psychology aspect of it where one person just said oh it's her and then everyone else followed suit and it was really bad it was really bad because like now when I look back on it like 
I regret some of the decisions I made and I know my friends do as well. And I think that sort of mentality definitely does exist when your group is really big. Uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to start wrapping things up now. Thank you all for sharing your good opinions and ideas with us. You all have definitely given us a lot to think about. We would now like to move on over to the philosophy feature. Hi, I'm Kaya Matsura. And I'm Rebecca Malamud. And today we're here with the Philosophy Club leaders, Jillian Chapman and Alina Garong. And we also have members of the club with us, uh, Masa Kawasaki and Kieran Kell. So all of you, thank you so much for coming to talk with us. Firstly, we really want to know your journey with philosophy, Jillian and Alina. Um, how did you guys come to be interested in philosophy and then eventually create your actual club? So um, I guess I became interested in like quote-unquote philosophy at around eighth grade, I would say, when I started to read like um, Christopher Hitchens and Charles Dawkins. And they are both aggressively atheists, so, and they're focused a lot on rhetoric. And at that time, I guess, philosophy to me meant more like um, winning arguments and looking smart rather than sort of, I guess, trying to better myself with it. And I didn't really realize how wrong I was until I <laughs> found myself debating my Catholic grandmother, bless her soul. Um, and I, I almost brought her to tears when we were debating about the existence of God. And when I got into high school and I started to pick up bits of actual philosophy, like, like Camus, Plato, and Nietzsche, um, I came to realize that what I was doing before was more self-indulgent rhetoric and... I guess philosophy to me really right now it means that sort of accepting and trying to find beauty and joy in being wrong and trying to better your worldview and the way you live your life. Yeah, and in creating the philosophy club, um, I realized that it's a lot more fun and exciting to talk with people who have different opinions from you rather than people who are like-minded. And so I really wanted to create a, a place where people would feel comfortable talking about different ideas and learning from each other. I mean, personally, for me, I think that I always used to be pretty intimidated by philosophy because I thought that it was all about arguing until somebody won. And I used to always find it kind of difficult to get into. I think the first time that I actually felt like philosophy was something that was accessible to me personally was probably actually in school. In junior year, I took um, Advanced Topics Truth, which sadly no longer exists, although it really should. And I think taking that class helped me to realize that philosophy doesn't necessarily have to be an argument it's something that we can all talk about as a group even if you don't have an like, like even if you don't really have an understanding of what you're talking about it's something that we can all have like a nice and like constructive discussion on so it's actually not this like kind of like esoteric environment it's like a very like open place where it's just good to exchange ideas and to create a dialogue in which you can further your own views and build your ideas and then um taking a part in the philosophy club i think definitely helped me to further this in that the club is a very it's a nice environment where we can just be open and we can talk about diverse ideas from different philosophers and I think that it's made me look at philosophy in like a less intimidating light and more as something that anybody can partake in regardless of like your background. All right thanks um, so tell us about a typical meeting for your club um, is there some sort of structure that you guys keep in mind to lead a discussion? Uh, well I guess the short answer is just like we do what we want, 
kind of. Um, we don't really have a structure to most of our meetings because, like I said, initially we focused more on very theoretical topics like the existence of God or the trolley problem. Um, but we realized as the meetings went on that um, to engage a more diverse group of people, we needed to make philosophy as exciting and relevant um, to others as it is already for us. And so we started to really experiment with our different meetings. So we had um, an absurdist, absurdist film night with the, the lobster, the movie, Masa um, suggested that. And we've gone to a Tokyo Socrates Cafe meeting, which is sort of a Tokyo meetup group um, where people of all ages can talk about philosophical topics. Um, so, oh, yeah, and in, in the last meeting, instead of talking about a really abstract idea we talked about different philosophers and their ideas on uh, friendship so we really try to make it um, down to earth I guess and try to make it relevant to our lives so I personally think that philosophy has a tendency to be really over intellectualized like like it, it, reading famous philosophers can make you feel clever like ho, 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 I know how to spell Nietzsche um, which is actually really hard you should try it but uh but it's a to totally different story when you try to live their philosophy. So we really want to try to make it as directly applicable to our lives as possible. And I guess also um, to that end, like most of our meetings, we try not to have like these intimidating and like kind of scary discussions. We usually try to make it like pretty open. I think all of us are willing to admit that we that, you know, I mean, all of us obviously kind of struggle to understand some of like the more complicated philosophies like personally. So like Nietzsche, like you know, it's, it's Nietzsche. You can't really understand anything he's saying. <laughs> so I think like the club is mainly meant as a place for us to like kind of share our personal opinions and to try and see if we can develop like a further understanding on all of these complicated beliefs that are interesting, but maybe kind of hard for us to grasp on our own. Awesome. That's really cool. Um, and now we would like to shift conversation and we're going to listen in on an example, philosophical discussion between you guys um, that you guys could be having in your club for instance but there's a twist so the topic is going to be on social circles to keep up with the theme of this episode um i guess we could start off with uh aristotle's ideas about the three different types of friendship that we sort of touched on in the last meeting um jillian and i were just talking and we thought it was pretty interesting how aristotle he creates this this idea of there's friendships based on utility, so like benefits that you might get from them. So maybe they do your homework for you or, I don't know, they help you stay in the popular group. Um, and then there's friendships based on pleasure, which maybe they're like very beautiful, they're very funny. And then there's friendships, the highest form of friendship that Aristotle discerns, which is friendships based on goodness and virtue. And we were saying how at high school, we believe that there's this sort of different tiers of friendship that we have with others, especially f friendships based on utility and sort of convenience. A lot of the times, whoever is near us that we're sitting next to, we might just be friends with for the sake of convenience and we don't want to be alone, um, rather than actually having a, a close, virtuous relationship with them. I guess on the line of thinking as well, I definitely think that in high school, we tend to have friendships that are just based out of like out of um, utility. And I guess you can see that in the fact that a lot of us, um, when we graduate high school, we don't continue talking to our friends from high school. And I guess kind of also related to that is, as we were talking about in our last meeting, there's a philosopher called Montaigne who kind of believes that like that like the best kind of friendship is one that is kind of based in like 
almost like a spiritual kind of soulmates thing in that you should have like this spiritual connection and you should have kind of like this melding of souls of people who you're friends with and personally I think that that idea is really it's something that I would like to believe can happen but I think that in real life especially in high school it's probably quite hard to form that kind of connection which I think is pretty unfortunate but I guess just a harsh reality um I don't know to what extent that's true because you know in a way high school is a really special time um in your life because it's it's like that stage between childhood and adulthood and you know I mean teens go through a lot you know you have puberty and and all the issues that come with puberty so it's like it's a shared experience and in that way you, the the bonds that you create with other people you know are really strong so you know to that melding of souls idea that that you were that you were talking about um i don't know i think in a way you can create really deep friendships in high school i don't know i don't know i think i think the idea of there being like different tiers of friendships definitely exists um but i think why and you mentioned this earlier when you talk about like philosophy not being entirely accessible or really kind of applicable or a lot of people feel like it's not applicable to sort of the daily day-to-day life it's probably because i think it's hard for us to sort of determine like, oh, like is my friendship with, for example, someone else is that utility or is that virtue? I think it's because, and maybe high school might be a unique place for this, is because the friendships in high school are very sort of, um, they're more of a, I'd say they're like a mix of everything because it's it's difficult for me to say, oh, that person's like, it's a friendship of utility right there because I don't think, I think a lot of us try to kind of convince ourselves that it's not. That's obviously like a shallow aspect that not a lot of people want to embrace. Um, but at the same time, there's like people that are like, oh, like I really want to stay in touch with this person or this person really motivates me or those sort of things. So I think it does sort of transcend, um, certain like boundaries or certain categories of friendship. Um, but I don't know. I think one really important question is like, do you think the way that like we make friends in high school is unique because we're in high school or, or whether this is a pretty good idea of how we're going to make friends in college and, and in life? Because it's not like suddenly we go to college, like we're different people. We obviously, take the same sort of social norms, the sort of expectations with us. Um, so I've, and I've always kind of wondered this idea of like the sort of how ambiguous sort of adulthood is in general. Is that like, are we going to sort of suddenly become like very enlightened because we're in college and adults and be like, oh, I'm going to start looking for better friends or more meaningful friends. Like, I don't really know. I would say I'd probably maintain the same sort of patterns in like who I look for as a friend. And I was wondering what you guys kind of thought on that, like looking forward as we go into college. I mean, I feel like just because of like, I mean, the, the structure between high school and college and like the workplace is similar in that like the people who are most exposed to are the ones who we work with every day, the ones who we see every day. So in that aspect, like the way that we kind of begin to form bonds with people, I think is probably going to stay the same or quite similar through adulthood. But um, and I'm not sure if we necessarily become like enlightened people and like we're suddenly able to form these like amazing deep connections when we grow up. I think maybe it's just about... Like, I think it's, it's like a learning process, like learning how to, like, you know, learning how to be socially conscious, like learning how to find people who you have genuine connections with. I feel like it's not something that just kind of like snaps that like you're just able to do it at some point. I think it's kind of like a long learning process. And for everybody, I think it's it's going to be different. But I guess maybe it's about like learning how to find a gen- or like learning how to build, I guess, um genuine connections in like an environment where you are mostly exposed to the people who are just in your general proximity. I also wanted to add in um, the philosopher Nietzsche that I, I mentioned previously. His idea of friendship, I 
found to be most unique and interesting because rather than friendships based on on virtue um which aristotle talks about which would be characterized by loyalty and altruism nietzsche's idea of friendship that he explores in thus spoke zarathustra the chapter the friend um is more characterized by sort of like this brutal honesty with each other and and being critical of each other as a way to try to make each other better and i think that's one type of friend that we don't usually look for because it's more comfortable to find people that will agree with you or feel the same as you or are just conveniently there but i think i would tend to agree with nietzsche that the types of friends that are most valuable in our lives are the people who really challenge our beliefs and try to make us better people. And maybe that, you know, challenging of other friends is not doesn't have to be mean or nasty or even cynical. Um you know, maybe like here's an idea. So the type of friend that you want, the ideal friend, would be someone that say if you told them good news about yourself, they'd genu- genuinely be happy for you. And um, so you can think of uh, your friend as an extension of yourself. So whatever good happens to you, you want ha- a good happening to to your friend and vice versa. And um, yes, so to that idea of being critical of each other. I mean, you want to be happy for them, but also when they're not doing so well, you want to be able to um, to support them, you know, and uh, and criticize them in a good light as though you're criticizing yourself because you want both of you to be to be better. We were also talking about just to sort of like move away from this topic. Jillian and I beforehand were talking about whether or not social groups sort of promote conformity and there are a couple of yeah, social experiments and and ideas that we really wanted to discuss is, is that. Um I mean, I guess, uh, yeah, we were talking about how, like, there, there have been a lot of experiments that speak to the issue of conformity. One of them is quite famous. It's, it's called um, the Milgram experiment, which is kind of hard for me to condense right now in, like, a discussion. But basically, it was a test on, like, it was surrounding the issue of Nazis in, in World War II. Like, like were, they, were they just, like, conforming to, like, the rules of, like, those above them? And, like, how far would somebody go just to conform? Like, 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 like how, how far would they stray from, like, maybe their own personal morals and in, like, an effort to fit in with the group and I think like that actually is quite an is- like quite a quite an interesting and like applicable issue in like high school because I feel like often like like people who stick to certain friend groups like might like change their interests or like change the way that like they behave because like obviously you're scared of being ostracized and you're scared of being like not part of the group so like conformity definitely I think is an issue that people have done like a lot of research on so I think it's it's um, definitely quite applicable to like how we tend to behave in high school and how we tend to follow like a mentality where it's better to be like part of the herd than better to be like a lone person. Especially in, I mean, I think it's no secret that in the ASIJ is a really clicky school. But I think one thing, um, I guess, to anyone at ASIJ, which would be interesting to think about, is how many of your friends are in the group. And how many individual friendships you have. So friendships you have with people in, say, different grades or different, I guess, you know, different groups. And, you know, one nice thing about having a friendship, what would you call it, like an individual friendship, so it's just the two of you, would be that there isn't really a feeling of conformity because, um, you know, say your friendship isn't an accident of the circumstances that you're in. It's a, it's a more natural it's a more natural process, you know? Um, and I guess, you know, maybe maybe as we become adults, uh, our friendships 
maybe transform into that or into that way you know so we have in a way more genuine friendships because the friendships we have are natural you know and and um are deeper because there's a there's a connection just between two people and not say 10 or 12 or something like that i mean regarding the issue of whether we conform because of the groups that we're in i think in a sense i mean it's hard to separate like what's intentional and what's not but i do think inevitably you do conform to the groups that you're surrounded in. I mean, what you're doing is you're creating groups that are essentially smaller societies that you're you're placing yourself in and obviously have roles. I mean, people identify like, oh, like in, in our group, like that person's that type of person. Like there's obviously a diversity of like what roles you play, what traits you um, you portray. And in that, I think there's sort of like the subliminal sort of subconscious, per- like you're, you're, per- you're perpetrating sort of your own version of yourself onto the friends around you. And you mentioned this with sort of the idea of Nietzsche is that you there's a sort of friendship in which you're trying to constantly improve the other person. And I think uh, you can take an aspect of that in thinking that when you are friends with someone, you're not just giving them like your time in a sense, you're not just giving them your existence, but you are providing them like a version of who you are and who you think and what you think the world should be like by acting the way that you are, because obviously you're trying to be the best version of what you think humans should be as. And that's, that's who you are. So you're pushing that onto a different group of people. And I do think there's a dynamic there. I don't think rarely, I think would there be such like a quote unquote woke group of friends that are all like, Oh, we're all individuals and neither of us affect each other. I think there's definitely more to that. Um, but I think, and I think that's why it's so interesting. Um, and it's, I don't know, like, you know, classic A said, you like, would you raise the question? Is there more of it in like book locker room kids or more in library kids? I'm not sure. Personally, I think the two subsections of ASIJ are a lot similar than anyone really thinks. I think both are really, really similar in like the manners, what they're interested in, but there's just a sort of self-segregation uh, going on. But it is interesting to think about like how much do we really kind of impose on each of our friends and like how do they see us how do we think they see us um so it's interesting to think um yeah that's really interesting um yeah and to just think about the faces that we carry um with us and the faces that we show to all of our different types of friends uh but i think it's also interesting to take it out of this context and look at just social groups in general and how harmful they can be because of how they promote conformity. So um, just to give you a little bit of a more of a background on the Milgram Milgram experiment, it was basically um, you were told to administer a shock to what you perceived as to be like somebody else. You were told to to give somebody a shock that progressively got more and more intense. And you were told this by uh, a lab coat man who said that that he would take all the responsibility so it turned out that most of the people when the lab coat dude just urged them to continue on saying that he would take all the responsibility they actually administered administered a lethal shock to somebody else Um, and that was kind of talking about how were the Nazis really people that were completely evil in their hearts or were they just following orders? Were they just normal people who were conforming? And I think when you look at things like um, the Stanford prison experiment, for example, um, which is an experiment where they took, I think it was Harvard students, I'm not sure, college students, um, and they put put them in in a prison environment. They got very, very aggressive towards each other and would be like, physically abusing each other in a matter of weeks just by giving them that that authority and um 
you can see that in real life in like the Abu Ghraib Grabe, um, CIA black pit during I think it was Bush administration in Iraq. It was a it was a they would take war prisoners and completely brutalize them and. Just the fact that the Stanford prison experiment was able to mirror that shows that it's not just that people are evil in their hearts and that's why they do bad things. It's that when they're conforming to an authority, it makes people much more likely to do atrocious. Let's cut this part. <laughs> I, was, I was on a roll. Atrocities and, and sentence. I mean, I kind of like, like what... You were saying, Masa, about friendships. I mean, the way you described it made me think of friendships as a sort of negotiation between two, say, two people. Um, everyone, you know, there's kind of a cliche that like, you have to be true to yourself. And, you know, but maybe in a way there is no true self, right? It Like, <laughs> like I don't know. The, maybe maybe the thing is, whatever whatever we think, like, you know, because everything we do, we kind of do, um, for example, I do something, I'll, maybe subconsciously, I'm actually, I want to see how other people react to it, and then I modify my own behavior, and, and vice versa, right? Do so you have an action, or, or whatever, like a way of speaking, or anything about yourself that you impose onto me, I mean, as you said, and we're imposing ourselves onto each other, and it's just finding the uh, the best way forward, right? Like how, because... Like you know, no man's an island. We're social creatures, so we need to we need to find a way to to socialize with each other. Um, so, to that extent, you know, we've got to bargain with everyone we interact with to find what the most appropriate way of of going forward is. You know, so yeah, so conformity is is a part of it. You know, you have to conform in some respects, but also you don't want to conform completely because, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that issue of like, is there a true self, you know, that 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 like garners an entirely new discussion. But I feel like there definitely is like that aspect of like, like there are different parts or like different versions of ourselves that we allow to be like seen or like that we impose on like certain groups. So like, you know, it's like you're going to show a different version of yourself to like your family and then like to your close friends and like, you know, to acquaintances and then like to like total strangers. Like it definitely changes drastically depending on who you're with. And then I guess like maybe in that environment, like it certainly is like it's like a part of just like how when you're social, you have to do certain things in order to be like, you know, acceptable and like just in order to like become like a social creature. But I feel like it also is, I guess, important to, like, kind of try and, like, retain a grasp on, like, at least what you perceive to be your true self, as in, like, those, like, parts of yourself that only maybe come out when you're alone or when you're with, like, a few certain people who you completely trust. Like, I guess, like, conformity can kind of, like, start to kind of, like, blur that for you. Like, you might start to, like, to, like lose a grasp on, like, on, like, who you really are compared to, like, who you, compared to, like, how you want other groups to perceive you as a person. So you're talking about, like, true self, right? And this reminds me, like, uh, like so, so, you know, there's a French philosopher, René Descartes, and he said, um, I think, therefore I am. And the, the, basic, the, the basic idea was that, um, say you're unsure of everything. So everything you know to be true is not true, or it could be wrong, or it could be a mistake or a deception. And, and you want to go all the way back to, say, to what you fundamentally know, and that is, I'm thinking... I'm thinking this, I'm doubting myself, but this has to exist. 
That's the idea, right? And I don't know. It's just like you can think of my thinking self as a as an entity that exists. That could be your true self, right? So you peel back. You think of it as like Deadwood. You want to burn off all the Deadwood about your character. The Deadwood being the the areas of yourself that aren't true. To get to the to the self, you know, to yourself that is most true. But what I'm saying is, is there such a thing as a true self? When you burn all the dead with the weight, is that really possible? That's the idea. Authenticity is overrated and probably does not exist because it's based off of our senses. At ASIJ, it's possible that we have an obsession with authenticity and because of that, we're unable to negotiate with other people. I think authenticity is overrated. I think actually not, not overrated, but I think at ASIJ, I think authenticity is sort of too heavily favored and actually it, it I, I think it makes us unable to kind of get out of the shell because we have this notion of like who we are oh we're this person we're that type of person we're a theater kid we're not a theater kid like whatever all the different categories and because of that it makes it so difficult to associate with all these people who we think are inauthentic compared to ourselves so that's why i think we think too i don't like to say we think too highly of ourselves because i probably shouldn't be saying that but i think there's an aspect where it's like taking ourselves too seriously or taking ourselves as like these selves it makes it difficult as i said i mean high schoolers in general have a hard time doing this but like associating with people um and getting out of your social bubble and being like oh maybe this person actually has something important about them just because they're not me um so yeah I think just to, i think that you make a really good point just to provide a counter argument to that um, I don't mean to bombard everybody with Nietzsche, but this is what I mean right now. So, um, he talks about how we shouldn't, no friendship is, or no relationship is um, worth having if we need to compromise any part of ourselves. And I think that's kind of goes against what Maso was saying, because I would tend to agree with you in that sort of in a social situation, some part of us has to be compromised to be at least somewhat palatable. And I guess Nietzsche didn't really have that many friends, but um, yeah, he, he talks about authenticity is the most important thing because that is how we can better ourselves and become and achieve human excellence. And so by conforming and becoming palatable to other people, we're only stopping ourselves from, from growing. Yeah, okay, the, the thing I was thinking was, um, so it's a bit unrelated to what you're saying, but... I don't know. I don't know how much of this is maybe like always thinking about yourself and all this introspection. How much of this is an ASIJ thing? Maybe it's a teenager thing because you know we're becoming adults and all that. But maybe you know sometimes we just think too much and you just have to go with the flow. Because I've I've talked to people and I'm like like what's going on? Like what's what's the future, man? Like what's happening? And he's just like, you know, I just care about like I just wanna I just wanna get the f- get my homework done. You know, go to go to McDonald's, have some food. Just have a good time. And it's like, they're not thinking about, am I being my true self? Am I, you know what I mean? Like, all of this stuff. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much for your discussion. We thought it was really, really interesting. Um, Would you guys like to uh, say, like, a plug or a conclusion? Join the club, please. Join the club. Um, We are... I I can't I should, probably shouldn't say when the next meeting will be because we like to do what we want. But eventually we will definitely have a meeting, and when we do, you should definitely come because this club is great. And that was the dealio. Thank you all for tuning in, and make sure to check out our next episode coming soon. Ciao.